Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for a beautiful day, and God, what's been a great day in your house uh, so far. And God, we, we pray now as we look into your word that our hearts will be open, our minds will be open, and that we'll hear what we need to hear, and that we'll do what we need to do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Wasn't that choir special great? Man, that was, uh, that was really, really, really good, Wayne and choir. What is something to you that's great uh, and important? Some of your Dallas Cowboys fans, they're important to you, but they ain't great. <laughs> Sorry, that slipped. I don't know even where that came from. It just fell out of my mouth. Uh, Nick Brown is over. He works with the, the kids on Sunday night. Nick is a diehard Auburn fan. They are important to him, and they were great this year. They came within about 10 seconds of winning the national championship. They were, they were great. Our universities, Grambling and Tech, through the years have been great and important to so many uh, of us in this community. And, of course, to me, my wife is both great and important. Brownie points. That was a smart move, wasn't it, guys? Well, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 this evening, and we're going to look at some truths that are great and really important. They're great, and they're significant, and they have a great meaning for us in our lives today. Here's the first truth we see. We live with the fullness of the Holy Spirit available to us. Now, that's a little bit wordy. And this is a little complex, but it really is a very important and great principle. We live in an era where the Spirit of God is fully available to us. In 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 7, let's read through verse 11. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, he's talking about the law, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns, he's talking about the law, is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Now, this, again, it may seem a little complicated, but it is very, very significant and uh, very great and important. There is a theological belief called dispensationalism. Now, most of, most of us have been exposed to it, whether we realize it or not. And, and most of the time when people talk about dispensationalism nowadays, they're talking about just an end-time view of, uh, of the, the rapture, uh, a seven-year um, tribulation period, and then a millennium, and, and some of those things. But true dispensationalism is a theological system which takes the Bible and basically divides it into seven periods. It's a little too neat and cute for me, and I don't think the Bible is divided that way. But it is clear as you read the Bible that God has operated and He works uh, has worked and revealed himself in different ways. And in fact, as you look at the scriptures, 
as Jesus came and the Holy Spirit came, it clearly ushered in a new era. You've always been saved by faith. That's really important, Hebrews 11. But the Bible is a book of progressive revelation. Now, this, again, is important, very important. The Bible, in Genesis 1, you go through Revelation 22... By the time you read through Genesis, Revelation 22, you know more, a lot more about God and his plan than you did in Genesis 1, correct? That does not mean that in Genesis 1, it's not 100% truth because it is truth. But God has progressively revealed himself through the ages. Again, if you don't believe me. Uh, find someone who's never read the Bible, have them read the first five chapters of, of Genesis and compare what they know versus what you know from reading the New Testament. The Bible is all true, but it progresses in what it reveals to us about God and God's plan. That's, that's important for us to understand. Uh, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, a little verse, it says, but when the completeness come, what is in part will disappear. Now, what he's talking about there is ultimately in the end, when we see Jesus, when we see God, there will be a much more fuller understanding and revelation of God then than we have tonight. That makes sense. Bible's always true. God has progressed in what he has revealed to us Throughout history. Now, when the, God revealed himself through the, in the, the Old Testament, he did it in several ways. But when he really began to reveal himself and his identity and his plan, he gave us the law, didn't he? The law came from God to Moses. The law is the word of God. It says it was given to us by angels. Very significant. Very glorious. But the law, he says here, it falls short. That the law ultimately condemns us. Did you know that? When you look at the Old Testament law, it shows you God's perfect standard. And then if you're honest with yourself, it shows you what? That you don't measure up. Correct? You don't. That's, and that's why Paul says the law is glorious as in great as it was. And as of God as it is and it was... It's ministry ultimately that, that condemns us. It does not bring righteousness. And then God began to reveal himself to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to earth. And folks, the Bible says if you want to know what God the Father's like, look at Jesus Christ. He is the exact representation of the Father. And when Jesus died and when Jesus arose, he showed us God. And then in Acts chapter 1 and 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon us, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. We've had a tendency, we have been afraid of the Holy Spirit in Baptist churches. You know, because people get weird when they talk about the Holy Spirit, don't they? When I was a kid, we called him the Holy Ghost, and it scared me to death. It really did. I didn't, the ghost, that scared me. But folks, the Holy Spirit is not some strange anomaly. He is God. He is God. And, and in Acts chapter 2, in the fullness of time, when all this took place in God's timing, Jesus came and made himself known to us. That's greater than laws on a tablet. Amen? And then Jesus died and arose, and Jesus told his guys before he went back in John 14 through 16, he said, I'm leaving you, and they were horribly depressed, but he says, look, I'm going to send someone exactly like me to come and live in you. That's the Holy Spirit. 
And in Acts chapter 2, that was the beginning of the Holy Spirit coming to live in every person who has Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 9, this is a great verse. I want you to look at the theology in this verse. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of who? God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of who? Christ. They do not belong to Christ. You see the Trinity in that one verse. If you don't have the Holy Spirit tonight, you are L-O-S-T is what the Bible says. You do, not, you do not get saved when you're 14 and get the Holy Spirit when you're 18. I understand what people are saying when they're saying that. They're, normally they're saying, I spoke in tongues when I was 18. Folks, the Bible says if you don't have the Spirit... You don't have Christ. But here's the great news. If you have Christ, you have the Spirit, and the Spirit's not just a neat thing. The Spirit is God living in you. Is that not awesome? So here's what he tells us. The law was great, but think how tremendously different this is. Something new has come, not only new in time, but but new in quality too. The God revealed himself not just in word but in person in Jesus Christ. And then God gave himself and the Holy Spirit to come live in us, to live in this church, to be our God, our God in us. And we have all that available to us now. Is that not fantastic? It's almost the picture of the sun and the moon. I think we have a picture we'll try to see. That's hard to see, but can you see the moon in the far right corner? And you can see the sun in the bottom left corner. And that gives you a little bit of a picture of what I I want to communicate to you. You go out on a full moon on a clear night, and it's beautiful, isn't it? And it does provide some light. In fact, a lot of Native Americans used to attack people. They called them a Comanche moon when the moon was full and the sky was clear because they gave them light to be able to maneuver. But the, the, the moon, which is far closer to us than the sun, its light is, is hardly anything compared to the light of the sun. That's what God's telling us here. He said, and listen, you got to remember, this is, this is God speaking through Paul to Jewish people, a lot of Jewish people. And he's telling them, guys, the law was great, but something far surpassing the law has come. God's made himself known as a man, and he has given us the Holy Spirit, teenagers, and all of us. We don't have to live like losers. We've got God in us. We live in an era where the fullness of the Holy Spirit is available. Now, that's a key word. Most of us got him bottled up in our big toe, but he's available to us. Isn't that awesome? That's a great, and that's an important truth, isn't it? Here's the second truth that springs from this. This should give us great boldness. I want you to say to your, say out loud, if you're a Christian, you say this with me. God lives in me. God, isn't it? God lives in you. Is that not awesome? And that ought to strike our fire, shouldn't it? That ought to give us a little backbone. Look in verse 12 and 13. Therefore, since we have such a great hope, hope doesn't mean like, oh, I hope my team wins. Oh, I hope my backache goes away. Oh, I hope my girlfriend's nice. We think of hope as kind of like flipping a coin. 
Hope here means a confident expectation. Since we have such a great hope, God lives in us. We are very greatly and largely bold. We speak with frankness and freely and openly is what he's saying. Folks, he's tying this story back to Exodus 34. In Exodus 34, Moses got the law and he came down and his face was glowing. You remember that? Moses didn't know his face was glowing. Everybody was, ah, your face is glowing because he'd been in the presence of God. And he put a veil on his face to, because people were scared of him. But also, his, his, the brightness would fade away. He's saying, look, when you got God in you, the brightness never is going to fade away. you got the spirit and the power of God in you that doesn't go away. And he says very clearly here, That if God lives in you and me, and we're really Christians, we ought to have some boldness and courage about us. Now listen, boldness and courage are only needed in the face of opposition. You've heard me say this before. You don't have to be bold if you're a grown man to go fight a kindergartner. You just have to be a bully. You have to be bold to stand up to a six-foot-eight burglar tonight, don't you? Paul, listen, when Paul, read in Acts 17, they, they, they threw Paul out of Corinth, probably because of some of this. When Paul said to Jewish people who loved the law, Paul was a Jewish man and part of the synagogue every Saturday you came to the synagogue and you would hear reading from the Torah. And one of the prayers that Paul no doubt had recited many times in his life is the Torah is life. And Paul says, oh, wait a second, the Torah condemns. It's not life. The spirit is life. That took guts to say that. That took boldness to say that. And I want to tell you, We need some guts from Christians today. Now, before I go off on that tirade, let me go on off on another tirade. That doesn't mean meanness. That doesn't mean you're you're a jerk for Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 is a verse you need to learn. Listen to what it says. But in your hearts, revere, set apart Christ as Lord. Now, here's the next part, very important. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. You're you're joyful. you got a reason for living that you have. But do this with anger and meanness because you're a Christian and you're going to condemn anybody that's not like you. No. Do this with gentleness and respect. Many of us, we share Christ like we're trying to win an argument. We're trying to win souls. There is a difference. I've I've been, been in discussion with Christians who are so arrogant and so dumb on top of that. You're not trying to prove you're right. You're trying to point people to the truth. The goal is not to... Look like you won. The goal is to get people to Jesus or get Christians to repent and to humble themselves. Okay? Now let's go back to the boldness. Be gentle, be respectful, but get some guts. Young people, I I think it's going to happen to all of us, but here's here's the new era we live in in America. It's going to take courage to be a Christian. It really is. Now I'm not talking about to go to church. I'm not talking about to say you love Jesus. 
I'm talking about to be a biblical Christian, it's going to take guts. It's going to take a lot more guts than it took when I was growing up. Because, man, we're getting hit on every side and all sides by a thousand different things. I heard of a professor who had their students one day, it was a history class, said, I want you to write, I want you to list all the, the acts of courage you have seen in your life, people do. Name courageous people and things that you have seen them do. One student turned in five blank pages, got an A. <laughs> That's sad. You know what the student said? I haven't seen anybody with courage. I haven't seen anyone willing in a, in, in a good way to stand up for what's right. Zach and Heather, Zach didn't know I was going to tell this, but Zach and Heather were on vacation last summer. They were in Florida, and they had a toothache, bad toothache. So Zach pulls in a dentist late one afternoon. Zach's bold. He goes to the dentist. He goes, listen, we got a bad toothache. A tooth broke. We need it pulled. We'll take care of everything when we get back home. We just need it pulled now. The dentist said, okay, I can do it now. Zach said, we need it done right now. We're in a hurry. Okay, come on back. The dentist went to get his Novocaine. Zach said, we don't even need any Novocaine. We are in a hurry. We need it now. The dentist said, you are so courageous. You want it done now, and you don't even want Novocaine. Which tooth is it? And Zach said, I don't know. It's my wife. (laughs) Don't you like when other people have courage? I want to tell you, quit being a sissy Christian. We sit around with our friends and they'll say things. They'll criticize other Christians. They may even criticize your church. That they, they say things you know are wrong and we'll sit on our hands. We're ashamed sometimes to even pray in a restaurant. Jesus said, man, if God lives in you, man up. Be bold. You're going to be attacked. If you don't believe me, ask Phil Robertson. We won't get into all that, but if you don't think that's persecution, you're crazy. That's persecution if it's happening to you. I promise you. But here's the whole point is what he's saying is so neat. He's saying, look, man, if God lives in you, if he doesn't, you're lost. That's why you don't care. That's why it doesn't matter. But if God lives in you, it ought to motivate you to be bold. Now, here's the third thing. And these all obviously go clearly together. We need to understand lost people don't understand the things of God. A lot of understanding in that verse or that that point. So you're bold. You have the Spirit of God living in you. You're sharing Christ. You're speaking truth. Understand that people who don't have God don't understand the things of God. Let's go from verse 14 through 16. 14 through 16, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It's not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Again, here was part of what happened every Sabbath in the, in the synagogue, the Jewish place of worship. The Torah was read. People did not have their own Bibles. We live in such a wonderful age. So they'd come in, they'd sit down, someone would get up and read the Torah, and then an elder would get up and speak and explain it. And here's what what God was saying through Paul. That they're hearing the Old Testament read, but they don't get it. They are still missing Christ. Christ is escaping them. 
because there is a veil over the minds and hearts of people who are lost. Literally, he is saying they're thick-skinned and they're calloused in their minds and hearts. And let me tell you, folks, this isn't just Jewish people without Christ. This is anybody without Christ. This is sometimes why even in the church service you say things and people look at you with a completely bizarre look because they're lost. 1 Corinthians 2.14, listen to what it says. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Do you get that? For they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are what? Spiritually discerned. I catch myself watching the news and screaming, not screaming, but just kind of... Talking loud to the TV. What are you talking about? Are you completely a goofball? Where are you coming from? And then I have to remind myself after Cindy hits me with something. Lost people don't understand the things of God. Why am I expecting some newscaster who may be conservative, who is saying things that are so contrary to the Bible, why do I expect him to get it? Lost people don't understand the things of God. So you say, well, I'm talking to this person. I'm trying to help this person. I'm bold. I'm courageous, but I'm gentle, and I'm loving, and they don't get it. That's okay. The Bible says that people don't get it until the veil's removed. It's the strangest thing to get Christ. You've got to surrender to Christ. You don't get him first and then surrender. You surrender, and then you get him. How many of you can remember when the veil was taken off your eyes? I mean, you sit in church, you hear the Bible, you read the Bible, and then you give your life to Christ, and it's like, wow, it all makes sense now. So understand that people that you're dealing with, even people in church, without the Spirit of God, don't understand the things of God, all right? Now, here's the last thing that he tells us in this little section here. Seek to become more and more like Jesus. You've got the Spirit of God available to you. You have Him in you. You need to be bold. You need to understand the world you're living in. And your ultimate goal is in verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Folks, you know your goal as a Christian, is to be like Jesus. Did you know that? We, listen, don't go to a Bible study just so you can learn more. That's, all that's going to do is make you arrogant and hard to live with. You go to learn more so you can be more like Jesus. First John 2, 6 says it very clearly. It says, whoever claims to live in him must do what? Must walk as Jesus walked. That's the goal. And it's a supernatural thing. When you are a Christian and you have the Spirit of God in you and you're surrendered to Him, God is transforming you. But it's also a choice that you and I make. He says we are to reflect the Lord's glory. Now, now folks, when you look in a mirror, you're reflecting something, aren't you? You may not like it, but you're reflecting something. Now, it's interesting. Back 2,000 years ago in Paul's day... Mirrors were not near as good as they are now. In fact, it was just basically polished metal. So if you wanted to look at yourself, you wanted to see if there was a piece of baloney in your teeth or you wanted to, you know, get that cowlick. Now, you had to really, you had to really look into that. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 uh, says this. And now, th- th- this, no, that was 13, I'm sorry. Here's what 1 Corinthians 13, 12 basically says. I'll paraphrase it. It says that, that 
as you look into the, the, the things of God, you gaze into it more and more, you, you will see and understand truth. Now, the mirror back then, you had to stare at it to see yourself. What he's saying here. As a Christian, some of you wonder, why am I not becoming more and more like Christ? Why am I not growing up in Christ? It's not God's fault. It's your fault and my fault. He says, I want you to, I want you to get in my presence. I want you to read my word. I want you to pray. I want you to be in church. And the more you look at me and the more you gaze at me and the more you focus your life on me, you will be transformed to be like me. Isn't that awesome? See, ultimately, when you get to heaven, you will be like Jesus. But the goal here is to become more and more like Jesus. Isn't it sad people can sit in church 10, 20, 30, 50, 70 years, and they don't look any more like Jesus when they entered the nursery? You've got to do your part. Transformation is an inside-out job. If you think of from, from nature, um, a tadpole and a frog. There's a tadpole. What's the end result of this? Isn't that incredible? I remember as a kid, that was just incredible to me. Are a larva and a butterfly. Isn't that incredible? Who does that? God does that. And what the Bible says is you and I, as we look, and look is a fancy word of saying, as we spend time with God, as we seek his face, and we let him transform our life, we become more and more like Jesus. And that's the ultimate goal. See, these are, these are some good stuff, aren't they? Great, great truths tonight. And, and we'll start with you Christians. Man, are you living with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you bold? Are you, are you becoming more and more like Jesus? And if not, let's repent tonight. Let's, let's get it right with God tonight. Where we're standing or at the altar, Christian. If you'd like to join the church in a moment when we stand, you come down here and, and we'll help you join. Maybe tonight, listen, the problem, the reason you don't get it, the reason there's not transformation, the reason church is sleep time instead of growing Jesus time is because you don't have Christ in you. Come tonight and give your life to Christ. Let's stand. As God leads you, we'll be down here waiting on you. You come.